Hello and welcome to the Matt Belair podcast. As an explorer of the mind and world, author and coach, I have spent a lifetime learning how to push my limits and achieve my highest potential. My mission is to bring you the most inspiring, conscious, and empowering teachers, leaders, and thinkers on the planet. To bring you stories, lessons, and messages that will help you master your mind, body, and spirit. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you enjoy today's episode. Good day, spectacular human being and wonderful citizen of planet Earth. We have an absolutely mind-blowing, spectacular episode for you today. We have my friend on, Jeffrey Darty, the Christian whistleblower. He is a Bible scholar with over 100,000 Bible hours, a former evangelist, and he is decoding the Bible from Greek translation, directly from the Greek translation, and is discovering some absolutely mind-blowing, fascinating things. Um, he has a YouTube channel of his own that's spectacular, spectacular that has uh, so much information over there. So we talk about uh, Jeff's experiment, uh, experience of being an evangelist, being in the church, being a minister. We talk about religion versus spirituality, uh, life as an evangelist, uh, the formula for truth, finding the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, um, the Jesus Christ crucifixion as a false flag, uh, the why the Bible is all jumbled up in time. It actually doesn't go linearly. I didn't know that. Uh, Jesus versus Paul, the Bible uh, as a UFO story riddled with ETs and encounters and all that kind of stuff. When you, He says when you take out the faith and the dogma and you look at it from a technology perspective, you can see clearly that is written like that they're ships and it's the language that they used. Uh, really fascinating stuff. And again, he's taking this from the Greek translation. So it is uh, right from the horse's mouth. Really, really mind-blowing stuff. So I know you're going to enjoy this episode. Um, if you like it, please take screenshots, share with your friends, um, share on social media, tag me, let me know where you're listening at Matt Belair on Instagram, Matt Belair official on Facebook. I love that. It, it helps. Uh, thank you guys so much who have been um, sharing, supporting on Patreon. It really does help uh, tremendously when you guys just toss a buck in the bucket. I really do appreciate it. So I want to thank Benjamin Hall for uh, taking that plunge and becoming a patron. Thank you to all my patrons. It, 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 it helps massively. Thank you guys so much for leaving reviews. Please keep doing that. Um, it inspires people to listen to the show. So I appreciate that. And for those of you guys who are looking for coaching, um, I have opened up to more coaching. Um, I have basically, there's been a lot of inquiries, so I figured out a way so I can handle more people. So I'm looking for two types of people. The first person is looking to define and create their vision. They want the plan to execute, overcome limiting beliefs, and really make a dent in like, I don't even know what I want to do. Well, I'm going to show you the tools to start moving in the direction of what inspires you to create a dream life, an F yes life. So that's the first person. And the second person is always is the background of high performers, entrepreneurs, um, athletes, people who are already successful and you want to learn the art and science of flow state, peak performance, uh, making it an impact, going 10x and all that kind of stuff. Although I think the 10x is a little bit baloney. It's more about um, integrity, using uh, spiritual and universal law 
and um, activating flow state for real using uh, effort, um, mindfulness, and all of these types of things. So it's actually right and left brain. And um, you guys can learn all that. And if you're curious about that, go to mattbelair.com forward slash coaching and also doing more groups, teams, and seminars and webinars for teams, leaders who want to learn anything around consciousness, personal development, peak performance. Um, I am happy to help you out. So just make an inquiry on the site. Uh, make sure to sign up for the email list at mattbelair.com. And I think we're good to go. I want to thank my sponsor and podcast partner, the Himalaya Podcast app. They're excellent. They are really curated and designed for the podcast listener in mind. It is completely free, super easy to use, um, great to navigate. It's for the podcast community, helps you grow. Um, the community interact with each other also form playlists find similar podcasts great shows so it's an awesome podcast listening experience so when you're over there um, make sure you follow the mastermind body and spirit show and you can find them on the app stores at h-i-m-a-l-a-y-a so go check them out so that's it let's come into a state of peace and coherence thank you so much for your time and attention this is part one with jeffrey darty so before we get into it let's take in a deep breath in through our nose Hold that breath and just let it out slowly with all the cares and all the worries of the day, just coming totally peaceful and relaxed, totally present and empowered and ready for this absolutely outstanding part one with Jeffrey Darty. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Mastermind Body and Spirit Show. I'm your host, Matt Belair. Today's guest YouTube channel has over 1,900 videos spanning the full spectrum of spiritual knowledge. He has written 14 books and has over 100,000 Bible hours. His 37 years of experience will help you achieve your goals. You will find information to break out of the fear and guilt control matrix of big-time religion and discover you are divine, sovereign, and free. He provides practical information and stands ready to work with you to help you live the life you always wanted. Welcome to the show, my friend, Jeffrey Darty. Matthew, nice to be here. It's, a, it's an honor and a privilege. I thank you for coming on with uh, Jay and I on The Last Stand, and it's great uh, fun, and again, an honor and a privilege to be here with you. Uh, thanks, man. Yeah, it's, the honor is all mine, and it's so great to always talk to you, man. You have such a deep well of knowledge, spiritual knowledge, um, something that, you know, I think I've studied religions and, and have like a little bit of understanding. You have a massive understanding. It's incredible. That's just because I'm old, man. I'm just old. <laughs> yeah, man. Well, why don't you give my audience who might not be familiar with your work, which is really in depth. I'd invite them to check out your show, check out your YouTube channel, but a little bit of background on who you are and how you got to doing what you're doing today. Absolutely. Uh, basically, I was, uh, I'm a Bible college graduate, and I was 20 years a licensed uh, Protestant minister. So I spent a lot of years as an evangelist. That's a guy that goes church to church and speaks for a week, two weeks. And they jokingly say, you blow in, you blow up, and you blow out. And I did pastor a couple of churches as well, but 20 years in the professional Christian ministry, and over that time, I began to see what I identify as cracks in the foundation of big-time religion. And I determined that it, it wasn't what it was supposed to be. It was not something to set people free. It wasn't something to help people in their fullest development. 
It was actually a fear and guilt control matrix. So longer than I should have, but I finally came out and began to do uh, um, impartial research within the Bible at first. I went back to the original languages, the Hebrew of the Old Testament, the Greek of the New Testament, and I basically rebuilt my own belief structure. And now I'm at a place where I don't go by the name of Christian anymore. I'm not a Christian, but yet I still probably now follow the teachings of the Christ better and with more uh, devotion than I ever have. And I found out that, you know, we're not filled with original sin. We've got the spark of divinity within. And really the idea is to live a life that is more abundant, as Jesus said, and to follow the ways and truths that lead to life and a life that is filled with peace and peace that passes all understanding. So my whole work now is to try to help people uh, identify that there's really two religions in the Bible. There's a religion of Paul and there's a religion of Jesus. They can choose whichever one they want. I highly recommend that you choose the ways of Jesus. But, you know, I think you have the right to decide what you want to do. But I also think you have the right to all of the information to enable you to make the best possible decision. And in a nutshell, that's pretty much it. And now, you know, we have uh, almost 2,000 YouTube videos. I have been studying the Bible over 100,000 hours of study in the Bible. They say 10,000 hours makes you an expert. So whatever 100,000 hours makes me is, you know, up to the discretion of your listeners. But I work with people on a spiritual basis. I still do a lot of what we used to call exorcism. Now I would probably term it as entity cleansing. And basically what I'm here to do is to help people learn to ask questions and then to question the answers that they get, and to help people, sounds a little bit cliche, but to help them guide their own spirit, master their own ascension, and be their own guru. And that really is what I do. And my, you know, I'm one-stop shop for all my heresy at uh, Christian Whistleblower YouTube channel. <laughs> Dude, that's such an epic intro. There's, there's a lot of places that I want to go, but I remember when I came on your show last, we had made a distinction between spirituality and religion, and I'm wondering if yeah. you can just share that briefly because I thought it was really well put. Well, um, bottom line, I think, is the more religious a person is, the less spiritual they're going to be. And conversely, the more spiritual a person is, the less religious they're going to be because religion really is dependent upon rules and regulations. We used to jokingly say when I was in church, I was a Pentecostal that we don't smoke, drink or chew or hang out with those that do. And even though that's silly, that really encapsulates what religion is. And if you're always trying to follow rules and you're always trying to identify what's wrong with you and what's wrong with everybody else, that keeps you in a religious mindset. Now, spirituality is more about, a relationship. It's more about an understanding. It's more about acceptance and growth. And I think the biggest difference, and I'm an expert on Abrahamic religion, Christianity specifically, but in Christianity, they teach you that you're born with original sin. You're a dirty, rotten sinner from the time you take your first breath. That means that you need salvation, and they've got the only Savior in town. But the reality of Jesus' message is that you're not born with original sin. you got the spark of divinity within. So it's not about uh, trying to overcome yourself. It's trying to understand yourself. And Jesus said the most important thing is love yourself and love your neighbor. And if you believe you've got original sin and that you're rotten and dirty, there's no way you can love yourself. And Matt, if I think I've got original sin, I know you've got it, and I can't love or trust you. But when that paradigm shifts 
and I know that I've got the spark of divinity within me, now I can accept me. Now I can love myself. And now I know that since I have the spark of divinity within me, you've got it within you, and then I can love you as well. And it's much easier for me to take care of my own backyard, to grow my own self, to be my own guru, to guide my own spirit, to do my inside work, and to leave you alone to do yours unless you ever ask for some help. So I think spiritual people are all about becoming better, and they're all about allowing others to walk their path, assisting if asked. Religious people have an idea that this is the way it is, this is the only way it is, and if you're not doing it the way I'm doing it, you're going to hell, and it's my job to make sure you know that. Right, yeah, you know, that's a, it's a really interesting distinction because I had just written the article going to the Parliament of World Religions with Native American elder David Lombert Senapas and the Native Americans I've been studying with, they have a 20,000 year history where religions came in, each and every one of them in some sort of capacity, and kind of mess them up a little bit and they have a different belief. And um, in my study, you know, religion is to bind and, you know, they bind these communities and rule sets and it just, it, and then the difference I found was more of an ideology where Buddhism were like, you have these principles, right? But there is this, this uh, more of a, a way of being more principles, not like this is strict and then consequences, Right. And you think about the consequences in religion. Um, it's pretty intense. And then I kind of decoded how do they create Scientology? Well, it was like personal development. You go in and they give you a neurolinguistic programming personality test. Then they, you are, def, you know, auditory, kinesthetic, visual, or whatever the case may be. And then they give you um, like a little helper pack for that. And then it's personal development mixed with religious binding tactics which there is a system of creating these themes. It's the same with the, right. the Mormon. And the challenge that I had writing it was like, there's a lot of good people in religions. You know, I don't want to like knock it or, you know, um, try to say that they're bad. Cause I know a lot of different religious people who follow different religions and I'm all for that. That's fine. Um, but I want to know the absolute truth, you know, like what is the truth with the capital T? And if you go to the parliament of world religions and there's 220 different ones, how does a child or a person who doesn't know anything about religion choose the right one? And so gotcha. I just want, um, so I'll just leave that rant to you and see if you want to add anything onto that. Well, one thing to recognize, uh, Matt, is that Christianity, which really comes from Judaism, so Abrahamic religion, Judaism, Christianity, Islam, at most, it's only about 10,000 years old, and that's being very generous. It's probably more like six. 7,000 years old. Humans as a species have been capable of culture that includes religion for at least 50,000 years. So if you think about it, if we've been capable of having religious culture for 50,000 years, and this idea of monotheistic Abrahamic religion is only at best six, seven, eight thousand years old, then it really is a Johnny-come-lately idea of religion. And it, it somehow today in 2019, we think that that's all that's ever been. Of course, you got to be a Christian. Everybody's a Christian. If you're not a Christian, there's something wrong with you. Christianity's Johnny come lately, man. And we, I think we do ourselves great harm, whether we love Christianity or don't love Christianity. We do ourselves great harm when we don't look outside the paradigm or the box that we've been culturally raised in 
And if we don't learn to look at and understand and appreciate the way other people think, the way other people believe, we're doing harm to ourselves and we're doing harm to ourselves as a species, I think, collectively. Yeah, man, I totally agree with that. And one of the things that if someone is religious, and I'd like to kind of ask your question on that is like, how would you, um, what would you say to somebody who is in a religion deeply? Because the thing is, your friends are there, your families are there, this is your belief, this is, you know, you got to go against everything. And you're not so sure about it, probably because you're researching, everybody's telling you that, you know, then you're, you're following the devil's way or some craziness, depending on how intense they're going to be about it. Right. And you're, and then the consequence, if you're wrong, is sometimes is a damnation for all of eternity, which is a pretty stiff consequence. So I'm just curious, like, what would you recommend for that, like, uh, eye-opening idea? And for me, the one thing that I would like to give someone if they are religious is I learned something a while ago called uh, the formula for truth. And basically, it was the idea that, you know, let's say you're super, you believe in Christianity, and the other way is atheism right? You hardcore don't believe or whatever the polar opposite is. One is up and one is down. Rather than trying to sell the up or down, whichever one you are, seek for understanding in the other person. So not even care, just like, oh, why are you a Christian? What, what makes you believe in God? Why do you do these practices? What does it, how does it benefit you? And when you seek knowledge genuinely, genuinely, oh, why are you a Muslim? Why are you a radical Muslim? Why are you an atheist? You know, and, and you don't judge, you're finding, you know, some knowledge in there that can allow you to grow regardless of if you've chosen a religion, if you're atheist, if you're spiritual. And I remember I was talking to my mom the other day and she's like, when you were a teenager, you, you were saying that like, you were really upset that you felt like, you know, the world had lost its like spiritual understanding. And she's like, because you got out of religion really quick and it really upset you. And it does seem like that now is like people who got out of religion, like religion seems like it gets you to a certain level to me. And then, you know, that's great. They're looking for something, but you can't go the full way. And um, it doesn't give you that like self-sovereignty. And so for people who don't uh, want to be religious or go to a church, they do nothing because they don't believe in any of that. Now they're left with no kind of like just general, you know, um, spiritual compass or connection with nature or God or the universe, you know? Yeah, and that, that is a difficult place. And I'm empathetic to that because I've been there. You got to remember, not only was I a Christian, and I was a full-time minister, and that means that your salary is paid by the church, your housing is provided by the church, your car is provided by the church, your clothes are provided by the church, your kids are fed by the church. And I'm sitting there realizing, wait a second, I don't believe this anymore. So because I had a lack of integrity, that's the only way I can think of to put it, is it, it took me about five years from the time I realized something's wrong to I was, till when I was willing to walk out the door and say, you know, the hell with it, I've got to go. I can't live like this anymore. So I understand the trepidation. And I remember the day before I quit the church, I was one of the most popular evangelists in my denomination. People were constantly writing me for letters of recommendation. I was invited more, more invitations to speak than I could fulfill. And then the day after I left the church, it was like I had leprosy. You know, they, when you come into church, they give you the right hand of fellowship. Well, when I went out, they gave me the left foot of fellowship. And what you have to realize is you've got to have that, for back of a, lack of a better term, you've got to have that come to Jesus meeting. And as, as callous as it sounds, you have to buck up, buttercup. You've got to realize, look, this is wrong. My integrity is at stake, and I don't care what people say. 
I don't care what people think. I don't care what people believe. I cannot do this anymore because it's not congruous with my own integrity. I can't look at my face in the morning and shave it. I can't look at my face and put makeup on. There's something wrong here. I've got to go. And you've just got to make that decision. You've got to get to that place where you don't care what people think. I was just watching a video from David Icke, and he certainly made this decision back in the day. I don't care what people think. I don't care what they say. I have to be true to what I know is true. And there's no other way to do it than to do it. You know, both you and I, Matt, are dunking into cold water. And, you know, there's, there's just no way to do it than to just go in and do it. I mean, there's a lot of, you know, should I do this? Should I do that? No, just jump in. You just got to get in. And once you get to that place where you realize you're in something that's not congruous with your personal integrity anymore, you just got to get out of it. And you got to say, damn the torpedoes, let the chips fall where they may. You've got to be able to lay on your bed at night and uh, be at peace with yourself. You've got to be able to look yourself in the mirror and realize that you're living in integrity. And there's nothing, in my opinion, there's nothing worth not be feeling integrity in your own life. I remember leaving the church, having to go to work. And even though it was terrible and rotten, I still slept at night uh, very peacefully because I knew that I was living in integrity once again. So there's really no other way to do it, Matt, than to just do it. Awesome, man. I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah, I can imagine how tough that would, that would be so hard. Like some people try to leave their job, right? Like, oh, I want to follow my passion or whatever the case is. Yours, like the passion, but like a deep, uh, belief system, like a core, core belief system. And kind of the way that I, and I'm curious your take on this because spirituality to me, I can kind of see like God is, is almost like, okay, you know, I perceive God as like everything, um, nature, force, whatever you want to call it. But in, in the human realm, it's almost like it could be the Easter bunny or whatever. And then it's, mar I equate it as martial arts. So you have different religious people wearing different suits and they understand that there's a force and then they create a school around it. Right. And then you've got the new age people that might not have earned a black belt yet, but they understand martial arts exist. They put on all the gear and really rather than being humble, white belt they perceive a black belt and they're giving you you know their knowledge and things like that rather you know and like this is the way it's like in the new age community i find a lot now too where um what we need i think is a little bit of humility but it's a confusing thing because it's unknowable god is is kind of unknowable and you've got to find it within yourself but what is from your research like who do you as God, how do we create a spiritual connection? What truth have you found in that realm? You know, you got this big ET behind you the first time and like a little one. So it does open up the rabbit hole. But for those, for that kind of like rant, what do you think about God and creating a genuine spiritual connection? You know, it's interesting what you were saying. I remembered one of the pieces of advice that one of my first pastors gave me. He said, Jeff, if you stay quiet, people might think you're stupid but there's no need to open your mouth and remove all doubt. And I've found out that the easiest way to make yourself look silly is to try to be the smartest guy in the room. You don't have to be the smartest guy in the room. You don't have to be the smartest girl in the room. In fact, the, the way to really learn and grow and develop is to hang around with people that are smarter than you are. Hang around with people that are more spiritual than you are. That's kind of why I'm here tonight. Hang around people that know more than you do or know things at least that you don't know and put yourself in a place of humility. I mean, the Christ said, 
those that understand the kingdom the best are the people that come to me as a little child. How does a little child come? They don't come with judgment. I've, I've seen very few five-year-olds walk in and say, okay, I know everything. Let me teach you. A five-year-old will come in and say, oh, why do you do that? Why do you do that? How do you do this? Why is this? Why is that? They come with curiosity. They come with humility. They come with openness. And if you, you want to understand anything from geometry to God, come with a humble attitude, come with an open attitude, and come with an attitude of, I really don't know anything. Teach me. And what you'll learn is the more stuff you know, the more you realize that there's more to know. Yep. Yeah. hundred percent, man. And I think that with the, well, with the God piece, I want to kind of go in on that again, because for me, that that's the thing that's unknowable. Like, like you said at the beginning, you know, you and I are doing the cold plunges and um, I see that because I'm a martial artist is a very great practice to distinguish between mind, body and spirit. And spirit is my connection to God, well nature, said. the universe. You know, and every way that I've known God or had an experience with nature or force has been in my own way through some sort of practice, through some sort of personal finding. And when you do that, you're able to see through the illusion of like mental, uh, you know, the guilt, you say the matrix, but I also studied psychology and persuasion and hypnosis and, you mm -hmm. know, a lot culture, religions, media education, everything uses that. Everyone's wanting to control in some sort of way, sell some sort of thing. And so yep. when you create your own connection, you're able to see a little bit clearer. And so I'm just curious, what would you advise people from all your research and study to create their own connection with God? And what does that mean to you? It's a great question. And it, it you know, I'm, I'm 55 years old now. I've been in this, you know, religious slash uh, spiritual spectrum for now almost 37 years. And probably the thing that is most profound to me is the realization that, you know, a bunch of these religious people came up to the Christ one time. And they said to him, listen, tell us how we know when the coming of the kingdom is near. What can we look for? What can we point at? And he said two very profound things to him. He said, number one, the kingdom of God doesn't come with any outwardly observable signs. And yet today, even now, Matt, we're looking for blood moons and we're looking for eclipses and we're looking for raptures and we're looking for this and we're looking for that. We're looking for, you know, kachinas and all of this stuff. We're looking for outwardly observable signs. And the Christ said, and this is tough, but he said, it's a wicked and an adulterous generation that seeks after signs. Because what he said was the kingdom of God is not out there. There's nothing that you can see. There's nothing that you can search for to find it. But the kingdom of God is in here. The kingdom of God is in you. And the search for God in the West, we're so programmed that it's an outward search. Let's go out and let's find God. But the reality is, is that it's an inward search. And it took me at least 25 years for the, the light to go off and say, oh, it's not about God being out there. It's about God being in here, and it's all about having the guts to do the inside job. It's all about having the guts to go in and look at the dark parts of what we call shadow work. It's all about willing to get into who you are and what you are and plow through all of the stuff, a lifetime of garbage. And I'm, a, I'm actually a certified uh, master practitioner of neurolinguistic programming, so I understand a lot about what you're talking about. 
And it, it, there's a lot of great tools in that. A lot of great, you can reframe, you know, you can do a lot of good things that are, that are helpful to you. But at the end of the day, the search for God is not out there. The search for God is in here because the kingdom of God really is within you. And that, I think, is the most profound thing that we have to learn. And reincarnation is a thing, and I happen to think it is. I think we keep coming back until we learn it's not about out there, it's about in here. And once we realize that, we can really begin to actually work on who we are and what we are and develop and fan that spark of uh, divinity in us into a flame that'll help us guide our own spirit, master our own ascension, and be our own guru. And really, at the end of the day, what we're here to do is unindoctrinate ourselves. Yeah, man, that's a beautiful answer. Thanks for that. Uh, when you said unindoctrinate yourself, it reminded me when I was uh, like 17 and one of my uh, journals, I wrote, I have to unlearn everything that I've been taught. And, th at, you know, I, at this time, I'd still been studying all different things in consciousness, spirituality, Zen, enlightenment. And I was like, so what is going on? And, but I was also down the rabbit hole of why do we still have war? We're supposed to have an intelligent species and I have a religion that teaches me my moral compass. But I look outside and we're murdering each other in the masses. Something is frigged up here. And so it is, it is, it, you, it is literally you have to unlearn so much of what has been told, so much that has been conditioned. And neurolinguistic programming is, is a, a part of that um, just for understanding how your mind works, um, how society works and things like that. Looks like you want to add on. Do you want to want to add something in there? No, not at all. I was just thinking the, the same thing. And, you know, what just popped in my head was you know, about the cold plunges that we're doing. One of the things that I think is most profound about that is one of these days, Matt, all of us is going to face the end of this physical life. And I think that when we hit the end of that physical life, and I happen to not believe that we are these bodies, that we're just using these bodies. These are vehicles that we're inhabiting right now. And I think that once we, uh, and this is kind of on the reincarnation thing, once we get out of this body, we are assaulted. Can, you can just imagine, we've been in this thing, this is all we know, and all of a sudden we're dead, we're out of this body, and we're just assaulted by this overwhelming amount of information and who knows what it is, sensory overload. And the first time that I plunged underneath into that 32, 33 degree water, it was that same feeling of, ah, oh, it's just, whoa, overpowering. And by continue to do the polar plunges. Now I can go under the water. I can hold myself under there for 15, 16 seconds. I, the first time I came out of that water, Matt, I was saying, F, 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 F. I was just, I was just going nuts. I was, it was horrible. And now I can actually get out of the water, do breathing exercises, do some poses, be in complete calm control. And I think it's going to help me and that's why I'm saying this as, as a recommendation to people. It's going to help you for when you, give, when you come to that place where this life ends, where you understand how to handle a vast sensory overload, center yourself, focus yourself, and be able to make conscious decisions. I remember the first time I came out of that water, I literally couldn't even get my robe back on. I was freaking out so much. Now I can chill. I can relax. I can put it on, adjust my hat. Everything's calm and cool. And there's little spiritual lessons like that throughout this life that teach us the things we need to know here that prepare us for the things that we're going to face once we leave this life. Man, all that's awesome. And, and one of the things I wanted to go back to that I remembered was when you're talking about um, creating a connection with God, you know, you were an evangelist going around and 
telling people how to connect with God and this is the way. And then this new way of describing it, it's, you know, it goes back to me as like, if God and nature and creator and this next level is unknowable, and I've been to these consciousness states, some people have had uh, these, these, you could call them spiritual states, DMT, if you want to go scientific with it, um, or some sort of universal thing that happens. I've been in a few states and a lot of other people have where you go to the realm beyond understanding. So that to me would be God. There's no chance in heck that I could understand that consciousness state. It's just, whatever it is, it just shatters everything. And so it forces you to be humble. And so if each and every person were honored for their own spiritual experience, if each person was their own kingdom of heaven, their own master, their own guru, their own savior, um, their own student, and and also free to make mistakes. And actually, I'm, as I'm ranting, it's making me realize a thing about religion: no mistakes. All of life That's is right. mistake. Uh, we we mess up all of the time. It has to be okay. But when we honor someone else's journey without judgment, we can. We're really getting that wisdom from them. And you're like, wow, you're going through this mystery that you and I both have no fly, flying f idea what is going on. Really, like we know a tiny, tiny little bit. But if we can share that openly and connect to this bigger experience that both of us are in, what a beautiful experience we can have. And we can co-create that together because in this mystery, you're not going to be worried if I'm going to come and stab you in the middle of the night because you mm-hmm. worship the moon and I worship the sun. You know, you like the water and I like the trees, you know. It's just like, whoa, what do, you, what do you like about those trees? Cool, I can, let me show you the water, you show me the trees. Now we're growing in the mystery together. Absolutely perfectly stated. And I remember one of the saddest days, it was the day I first got my license to preach, and one of the elders pulled me aside and he said, Jeff, whatever you do, if you ever have a problem, don't tell another minister. And I'm like, why? And he's, <laughs> he said, as sad as it is, your success in ministry is directly proportionate to the amount of knives you have sticking out of your back. So that's, that's how religion is. We are trying to defend our own turf, and we're trying to defend our own religion. It's my God's better than your God. Wouldn't it be a much better way to say, okay, you're a, a Muslim, I'm a Christian. Instead of hating, let me go to you and say, like you said before, why are you a Muslim? Tell me about some of the things that make your faith real to you. Help me understand some things. I, found, I did that. I found out that I happen to believe that the, and we might as well go out there, the crucifixion was a false flag event that Jesus the Christ was never crucified. It was a false flag. And guess what? I started talking with, with an Islamic person, and they believed the same thing. Who knew? So you can find ways of of getting together, find ways of personal understanding. Now, I didn't become a Muslim. He didn't become a whatever I am, but we were not enemies anymore. And if it came down to a battle, I think even a physical war, he wouldn't kill me. I wouldn't kill him. It's a live and let live world. And isn't that really what it's supposed to be? At the end of the day, Matt, I'm not out here to change anybody's religion. I'm not out here to change anybody's mind. My whole job is to help you make your decision based upon the best data available. I'm the mailman. Sometimes I bring you bills and you hate me. Sometimes I bring you checks and you love me, but I'm going to keep bringing you the mail so you have all the information you need to make your best decision. 
Oh, dude, that's awesome. And I was actually just ready to start opening up the rabbit hole because I am so curious your thoughts on a lot of things. But interestingly enough, uh, Native American elder, 20,000-year history, David Lombear, who I would love to see that interview happen on your show and dive deep on your knowledge and what you think, he said the same thing. And he goes, Jesus wasn't crucified. And I was like, what? And Really? He awesome. said that. Yeah. 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 Totally. And I said, what? I was like, that's nuts. And he goes, he goes, it makes it a much better story. Doesn't it? And I was like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know that it, I can just hear like religious people just like driving off the road right now. I mean, like, Oh my God, blasphemy. But I, but the thing is we don't know, like, I don't know for sure. I wasn't there, you know, I, you know, and like, I was going to ask about missing books in the Bible. Cause you know, why does the Vatican have this huge library? You know, you can just look at it. And then we got ancient civilizations, which you start going down that rabbit hole, you know, that opens things up. Then you get to, you got a book. Are you prepping? This is my Bible, man. This is my Bible. This is a Bible I preached in for at least 20 years. And the bigger mystery isn't why, why are there books left out of this Bible? You know, Matthew, I don't know how much you know about the new Testament, but you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Roman, you know, uh, uh, for, uh, there's 66 books in the Bible. I think there's 26 in the New Testament. And we know when all these books were written. Within a few years, we know exactly when they were written. But, and Matt, if you, if you had 26 books and you wanted to compile it into a volume for people to understand what was going on, and you knew when the books were written, how would you go about putting it together? You personally? Well, in, in order of time. Of course, you would put it in order. Why would you put the books together in, in the order of the time they were written? Because it makes sense. You would understand it better. So explain to me why the New Testament, man, you would expect if there's 26 books, you would expect it to be 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. Well, here's the real order of the books in the New Testament. 11, 5, 9, 13, 10, 6, 4, 8, 2, 3, 12, 8, 12, 7, 11, 14, 14, 11, 15. The first book in the New Testament that we call Matthew was really the 11th book written. The first book really written in the New Testament was the book of James. There's no reason to jumble it up. The only reason it's jumbled up is because they don't want us to understand the real story as it really unfolded. And if you're a Christian and you can explain that to me, I'll shut my mouth and shut down my YouTube channel, but nobody yet has been able to do so. So can you Cole's notes what, the, what you believe right now actually happened? Say that again? Can you Cole's notes like what you believe actually happened, like the, from your research, what you think happened? For well, it, it's, not, it's not a mystery because all of the books that Paul wrote, it's the strangest thing, Matt. They're in perfect sequential order because they want us to understand Paul's doctrine but all the books that weren't written by Paul, they're completely jumbled up because mm-hmm. they don't want us to understand. The story they want us to buy is, here's this guy named Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, Luke, and John. Let's learn about his life. He was a nice guy. He did this. He did that. And then this guy named Paul came along to told us the important stuff. That's all the rest of the New Testament. And then at the end, all hell's going to break loose. It's really scary. The book of Revelation. That's what we've been sold. But that's not the reality. The reality is, Jesus came, was coming against um, the religious paradigm of fear, guilt, and control. Jesus came saying, you don't have sin. You don't need to sacrifice. You don't, there is no place called hell. And then Paul came up and tried to fight against that. So the New Testament is a back and forth. It's a Twitter war between the 
apostles of the Christ and the apostles of Paul, and it's literally back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And if you read it in order, you see that. And you can make your decision which side you want to come down on. But when it's all jumbled, you get robbed of the opportunity to know what really happened. You get robbed of the opportunity to really see the truth. And you get robbed of the opportunity to make an objective, empirical decision. And I happen to think that's wrong. Huh. Sorry to get all impassioned like that. <laughs> that's awesome. And no, I appreciate that. Have you looked at the Quran at all? Like any other uh, books like that and have any feedback? You know, I'm a one-trick pony, man. I, you know, 100,000 hours in the Bible. I know a lot about the Nag Hammadi. Uh, I know a little bit about the Dead Sea Scrolls, but I don't pretend to be a, a expert or a student or even uh, know what I'm talking about, about anything other than really the textual Hebrew and Greek Christian scriptures and the um, ancillary texts like the Nag Hammadi and things like that. Those are my, that's my strong suit. You know, like I said, I'm a one-trick pony, and that's what I do, and I do it. I don't know if I do it well, but I at least do it enthusiastically and with a great deal of, uh, I mean, now, if you look at my channel, everything I'm doing, I show you word for word in the original Greek, in the original Hebrew, so at least I'm not making anything up. Wow, yeah, that's in-depth, man. Um, well, at least, it, like, the one-trick pony, let's say you, you drive a Ford F-150, you know the crap out of the Ford F-150. You're aware Dodge Rams exist, but, you know, that's about it. <laughs> I and if you want to drive a Dodge, that's great, but I'm not the guy to, to, to inform you about Dodges. I can tell you about the, <laughs> the what was it, the, the F-150? Yeah, I think so. Keep it American, right? Yeah, I can tell you about the F-150, and that's about it. Um, well, okay. I'm going to throw a few things at you and you let me know which way you'd like to Please go. Do. But what I, what I was curious about is like, you got some mysteries in the Bible, like, uh, Ark of the Covenant, Solomon's temple stuff. I don't even know about like this magical stuff. Maybe you can either share, um, it says my internet stable is unstable. So let me know if I break up on you. But, uh, if there's anything yeah. like the greatest mysteries you found in the Bible and what you believe and, or, and maybe we'll segue into it. You're a researcher. You're, you're in there with Jay Campbell with your incredible YouTube channel. You're searching for truth. Um, you've opened up to ancient civilizations, other species, um, probably exopolitics, and that whole idea. I'm just curious what the heck you think is going on on the planet. Well, you know, you see this guy looking over my shoulder, and this guy, I lovingly, lovingly call him Plastic Jesus. And it's, you know, it's the Jesus with the sacred heart and an alien head. And people say, what in the world is that supposed to mean? And the, one of the weirdest things I've ever discovered in the Bible is that every great event in the life of Jesus, the announcement to Mary that he's going to be born, his actual birth, his supposed crucifixion, his supposed resurrection, his supposed second coming, every single one of those events, uh, Matt, is filled with UFO, ET, alien imagery. I've talked about this on Coast to Coast, a lot of places, and every one of them is filled with this. It's, it's a UFO, ET, alien extravaganza. And I don't know exactly why, but there's somebody, some force that wants us to believe that Jesus was an alien, that Jesus is connected with ETs, Jesus is connected with UFOs, that's why I have, you know, the Christ who gave us the message that I think is the greatest message of spirituality for humanity. You know, love yourself, love your neighbor, follow the ways and the truths that lead to life and life more abundantly. Have peace that passes all understanding. That's the message of the Christ. But they got this guy 
plastic Jesus, and he's the one that's trying to distract us from that and keep us hating our neighbor and causing wars and causing the fighting, causing the fear, causing the guilt, causing the control. And if you just sit and look at it, somebody explain to me why there's UFOs, ETs, alien imagery all over the great events in the life of Jesus. And if you didn't explain it to me, I'll take this guy down. <laughs> well, you got to dive deeper into that. And, and I'll say too, again, with uh, my research and with, uh, you know, studying with David Lonebear and the Zuni elder, uh, Clifford Mahuti and a Mayan elder, I went down to the uh, Mayan Heart Festival and the Mayans were doing uh, their sacred fire ritual and they haven't been able to do it in to call for years and there was a massacre and all kinds of crazy stuff, right? Um, wow. and, and as a side note, when you go into Guatemala, uh, Antigua, there's churches everywhere and that's from the Spanish Inquisition and there was a fight between the church, I discovered, and the government and they said, stop building so many churches because there's a church on every single corner and as they're conquering wow. another part of the world, right? And then massacring the native people that are there. How is that spiritual? How is that God's work? It makes no sense. Like, you know, it doesn't make any sense. It's well, it's the work of the God of the Bible, Matthew. This whole yeah. book is filled with a God that says he is a jealous God, a God that says he is a vengeful God, a God that says he's the only God. And it was the God that told these people to go out and kill not only the men, kill the men, kill the women, kill the children, rip babies from wombs, stomp on their heads, kill, 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 seek, 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 destroy, destroy, destroy. Oh, he took us to the promised land. What we forgot was there was already people living there before. It is consistent with the God of the Bible, but the God of the Bible is not the true God, in my estimation, of the universe. The true gods of creation are, you know, even the Bible says God is love. Well, there is a God of love in the Bible, and there's a God that's not of love. And I think that my work is to help people realize they're both there and then allow them to choose which one they'd rather align themselves with. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, just to, you know, for some of the people that are that – are, it's funny because it is like, you know, somebody put it to me like you're, we're in the upside down. And that yeah. was a, a tough pill for me to swallow because I didn't understand – why I knew I was being lied to, but I didn't understand why. And, I, and then when I realized how in depth and intricate and advanced and malicious it was, I was heartbroken, man. And I went through a depression from like, you know, it was here and there, but my early twenties and nobody gave a shit either. Nobody wanted to talk about it. Nobody's thinking about it. They're just happy to go along. And I was like, no, this is like, this is crazy. And so <laughs> this is like, what is going on? So you have to really dig yourself. And so I'm curious. Um, oh yeah. So what I was going to say with the, uh, with the elders I've been chatting with, I've heard multiple of them say Jesus was an ET also. I've also heard that. And I've also heard the Bible stories that yes, um, David goes, uh, David Lobear goes to me. He's like, yeah. He, I was like, of course. I asked him about it one day. He's like, of course. Um, there was ETs in the Bible. He goes, you know, the uh, whale story. And I was like, yeah, he goes spaceship. I was like, no yeah. kidding. <laughs> I was like, what? So maybe you can share some of the stories to have a lens on it. And I watched like Paul on a plane or something. Like, I think they made a movie about Paul or one of them. They did and, with Jim Caviezel. Yeah. And then the light comes down and you look up, I was like, and all in the Bible, it's like the white light. You know, I've experienced white lights, like UFOs several times in my life by myself. You can call me a liar or whatever, but I'm by myself looking up, look up UFO orb, Arcosani. It, it's a shitty video, but for 40 minutes, no, it looked like 
uh, there was no sound. It was 50 feet away, 100 feet in the air probably or closer. And it looked like the Freemason Illuminati symbol with the triangle. It didn't really look triangular kind of, but really thin lights. The whole way around was just the thinnest ray. And Interesting. It, and it was an orb. It was like a star, but it moved and it, it stayed around me for 40 minutes. And I was so close. Like if I grabbed a rock, I could almost hit it. And it was like, I was like, what am I looking at? And another one I saw a few years previous looked like, and again, by myself in nature, um, it looked like a hole in the universe. And I have that on video too, which my wow. buddy who's a filmographer um, took it apart and it looks like cells dividing because it's flickering and then it'll just appear in another spot. And again, that one's Whoa. a UFO uh, Washington on my YouTube channel. And he picked it apart and he's like, that is super weird, dude. And when it appears in one spot to another, it looks like a cell divide. And then it just appears. But I haven't had an experience where I just sat down with an ET, which I would really like to do. But in all these indigenous cultures, it's like zebra to them or sheep. They're like, of course they exist. They existed then. They exist now. You're just not the top of the food chain. You guys are actually a pretty primitive species. Yeah, and that's true. And it's, it's tough for us to realize that. But even Jesus himself said, I am not of this world. And if you're not of this world, that means you're from another world. So, and even if you believe the Bible, it says that the gods came here to create the heavens and the earth. If they came and created this one, they had to come from another one, right? So they're extraterrestrial. But as far as the ET in the Bible, we can start with the one that you talked about with the movie you saw with Paul. That uh, in that Greek, Greek uh, structure, it says that the, a light flashed all around him and he was knocked off of his beast. And there he was. That's only used uh, three times in the New Testament. And the other, one of the other times is where Jesus says, I saw Satan fall like lightning. It's the same exact Greek phrase as Paul saying, this light shone from heaven. And if you'll remember, Paul said that this light that he saw was Jesus. Jesus said the same light was Satan. So you got a little bit of a disagreement there and call me prejudiced, but I'm more apt to go with the interpretation of Jesus, that it was his great adversary that came with this particular unique flash of light. And that when Paul saw the same thing, it wasn't really the Christ. It was this great adversary impersonating the Christ. Go all the way back to the announcement where the angel comes to Mary and says, hey, Something great's going to happen. You know, the king, the God's going to overshadow you, the power of the Almighty. You're going to become pregnant. You're going to give a birth. If you look at that in the original Greek, what it says is that Yahweh is going to physically immobilize you, and he is going to impregnate you with a supernatural thing, and you will be left with a supernatural thing in your womb after being paralyzed and artificially inseminated by an extraterrestrial entity. Now, you could hear that on Coast to Coast or any a million other YouTube channels, and you'd say, oh, that's alien abduction, that's artificial insemination, but because it's in a religious context, in a religious book, we say, oh, it's holy. Folks, he incapacitated a 13-year-old girl, artificially inseminated her, and the word for baby, child, kid, it's not there. It's a thing, and a supernatural thing was deposited into her womb. Go to when he was born. The shepherds out there that saw the blinding lights, Matthew, read it in the Greek. They were encased in 
columns of white light and immobilized, just like you see in all of the UFOs. And then when you go to his crucifixion, when the sun was blocked out for six hours, what blocked it out? Something big enough to cause a shadow over Jerusalem. It wasn't darkness. A shadow was caused over Jerusalem. And as soon as Jesus looked up and saw, oh, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me, which literally translated as, why have you left me behind, that's when the sun came back out again because there was something up there blocking the sun that he could see. And when it left, he says, why are you leaving me behind? And the sun came out again. It was a spaceship. It caused an earthquake. Its withdrawal caused an earthquake. It caused the temple to shift in its foundation so the veil could be rent from top to bottom. Same exact thing happened on the resurrection day. It came back down, more earthquakes, more stones rolling away. And when it, the second coming of Jesus in the book of Revelation, if we went through it verse by verse, you wouldn't believe me because it talks about a literal spacecraft coming back and it shows that you know, there's a, a verse in the Bible that says he, he's clothed with a garment dipped in blood. It sounds so poetic. What it really says is his clothes are covered with the splattering, hemorrhaging blood of the millions he's murdered. This is this guy. Where is he? Plastic Jesus, not the Christ. And that's just the, the little uh, tip of the iceberg on it. I wrote a book called Final Message of the Last Apostle, if you wanted to get all the details. But it's all there. It's all in the New Testament. And I didn't add anything to it. It's all straight from the New Testament. All right, guys, that wraps up that absolutely incredible episode with Jeffrey Darden. We are just heating up because in part two, we really get into it and we really dive deep. Um, like I said, he is uh, directly translating uh, the Greek translation of the New Testament. And that's where he's getting all of his information. So it's truly fascinating stuff. Uh, we're really going to get into it in part two. Um, check out his work on YouTube. He's got hundreds of videos. Uh, the Christian whistleblower, JeffreyDarty.com. So go check him out. And um, yeah, thank you so much for the support. All the shares help. Patreon helps. Leaving reviews help. Thank you guys so much for your effort and your time and your consideration. Um, it does go a long way. So have a tremendous day. If you guys want, um, you can sign up for the email list at mattbelair.com. If you are interested in coaching, seminars, uh, group coaching, hit me up at mattbelair.com. I'm working with a lot more people these days because I've opened up my schedule and uh, figured out a way that I can handle more people. So hit me up. It would be a privilege and honor to speak with you if I can help you in any way. So have an incredible day and let's close this out by taking a deep breath in through our nose holding that breath and just letting it out slowly with all the cares, all the worries, all the self-criticisms and coming to a state of peace and total empowerment. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you in the next episode.